Let us pray. Jesus, come and feed us. Move among us. Dwell within us. Let us feast on the banquet of your grace and your love for us and for all, that we might be strengthened to carry your good news from this place into this hurting world, that others, that all, may know of your love for them, the forgiveness in your name, the peace in your name, the love in your name for all. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. When someone introduces themselves to you as a fan of the University of Kentucky Athletics, you can assume that they're a fan of basketball, not so much football, right? If you know anything about college athletics, you know that the University of Kentucky basketball team is the best, simply the best basketball program in the country. More wins than anybody else. One of the elite programs to this day, one of the elite programs throughout history, certainly the most superior team from the state of Kentucky. They are a great program. If you haven't noticed, I'm a big fan of the University of Kentucky basketball team. Football is another story. Football in Kentucky historically has been the thing that you do on a nice fall day to get together, sit with your friends, and talk about how excited you are about basketball season coming in a few months. That how, that's how football plays out at the University of Kentucky. But in recent years, things have gotten a little bit better. The team's won some games. They've uh, provided a, a bit of excitement. They've made it to some postseason bowl games, even won a couple of those It's an exciting time. This year was an interesting season, though, for the football team. There were high hopes at the beginning of the year. They came out, they won their first two games, and then their starting quarterback got hurt. They had to put in a substitute. They lost the next couple of games. And then the second string quarterback also got hurt. And that led the team to a very perilous place to be. They had won two games, they had lost three games, and they had no quarterbacks on the roster. It seemed like it was going to be a very long, yet very familiar football season for Kentucky football fans. Well, someone made a pretty brilliant uh, plan. The coach really came up with a great plan. The best player on the team was their wide receiver, a man named Lynn Bowden Jr. And they said, well, we don't have anybody who can actually throw the ball to him. So what if we just put him behind the center and made him the quarterback so he could just have the ball and run with it? And that's what they did. And he proved to be fantastic at this job. He ran and ran and ran and ran and ran. And with him as quarterback, they won six out of their eight uh, next eight games. They went to a bowl game. They won the game. Lynn Bowden Jr. went on to be an All-American this year. It was really an incredible season for Kentucky football. And as Lynn Bowden Jr. Uh, came into his own in that position, uh, he's kind of a, a, a brash guy. He's got a lot of swagger, a lot of confidence. One of his favorite trash-talking phrases kind of became a, a catchphrase for the whole team. Come see about it, he'd say. In a post-game interview before an interview, come see about it, come see about it. He'd say. Now, historically, when a Kentucky football player would say, come and see about it, people would come and see about it and say, huh, there's not much there, right? But this year, when Lynn Bowden Jr. was saying, come see about it, people would come and they'd see about it. And man, he was good. He was fast. He was strong. They could score. They could win with him as quarterback. Come see about it. Come see about it. 
Now, I don't think I've ever preached a sermon before in which I compared a trash-talking quarterback to Jesus, but I'm going for it today because the theme of come see about it is at the essence of what we find today in the gospel. Come see about it. Come see about it. In fact, before we get to what John uh, wrote in the first, uh, what we read in the first chapter of John today, I think we can take a step back and actually see this theme, this theme of come see about it as at the heart of Jesus's ministry, really. When Jesus was baptized by John, we know the familiar story. Jesus is baptized by John. He goes into the wilderness where he's tempted and he comes back and delivers his first public sermon. In that sermon, he uh, takes the scroll of the prophet Isaiah and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach good news to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to bring deliverance to the captives, to let the oppressed go free. That's an old scripture. He reads it and he tells the people who's sitting there, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Come see about it. Jesus is saying, come see about it. Watch me. Watch what I'm going to do. Watch how the spirit works in my life. Watch the ministry that I perform and you will see God at work. You will see the ages and the hopes and the dreams of the prophets being fulfilled. Come and see about it. Because see, when you say something like that, when you say something like come see about it, people might take you up on that invitation. And if they take you up on that invitation, they're going to know whether there's something of substance there or not. Anybody can run around and saying, come see about it. And if you come and see about it, you might say, "Eh, whatever. But if you got something, if you really have something, in this case, if God is really at work and lives are being touched and transformed and changed, when you say, come see about it, and the people come and they see, lives are changed. Good news is proclaimed. Good news is lived. Jesus said, come see about it. Come see about the prophet Isaiah's message being fulfilled in your hearing. We see that again today in words that John shares with us. Again, it's at the beginning of Jesus's ministry. It's St. John's version of the beginning of Jesus's ministry where uh, there's kind of this interesting dynamic going on of of John the Baptist starting to uh, recognize that the one he'd been waiting for had come in Jesus. And there's this great little line where one of John's disciples, Andrew, and another friend, another disciple, whose name we're not told, Andrew, who would go on to become Saint Andrew, says, Jesus, where are you staying? Jesus says, come and see. The scripture says, and he saw. Great line. Come and see. And he saw. Come and see. And he saw. You know, that essence, that essential message of coming and see Jesus is really who we are and what we're all about. That's the fundamental task before the church today, to extend the invitation to come and see Jesus. All our programs, all our Bible studies, all our worship services at their core, they have one essential task, to invite others to come and see Jesus for themselves. I can stand up here every day and tell you about what Jesus has done in my life. And throughout this room, you can stand up and each profess to what Jesus has meant and done in your life. 
But the reason we do that is to invite others to see this Jesus for themselves, to be drawn into that fellowship, that communion with him, to know his grace at work in their life, to know the love made available to them in their life, to feel forgiveness in their life, to feel the chains of their oppression broken, that they might be free. I mean, I'm happy that your sins are forgiven, but I want to know that mine are forgiven too. I'm happy that you know your love, but we need, that I need to know that I'm loved to come and see about it. Come and see about Jesus. That's the invitation that we have to share. But more than an invitation to share, I think, when we ponder that and think about it, in reality, it's the invitation that we are to be. Not just an invitation to share, but the invitation that we as the church are to be. Because I'm going to tell you, come and see about Jesus who is full of love and grace. But my life is full of hatred and stinginess and clinging on to things. You're going to wonder, what kind of Jesus is this? I can't come see Jesus because you're in my way, you might say. So who we are, who we're called to be, this is the, the invitation we are called to embody and share by our ministries, by our actions, by our love. You know, when we share with the kids and, and ponder the ministry of Martin Luther King Jr., if we know our history, we know that one of the great roadblocks, one of the great barriers to King's dream being realized were good church folk, right? Good church folk standing in the way of justice, standing in the way of equality. The invitation to come see Jesus was blocked by their own actions. So we have work to do. We have work to do in the invitation that we share, the invitation that we are. And that begins with the invitation that we receive. Each one of us needs to know that there is a place secured by Jesus and his grace at his table at the foot of the cross for you and for me. That you are loved, that you are forgiven, that you are redeemed, that you are set free. That you can come and see, and you can see what God is doing. You can be blessed, and from that position of strength, rooted in God's grace for you and for all, then you can share that grace with others. You can share that Christ with others. You can share that invitation that you know so well. Come and see what God can do when you open your life to Jesus. Come and see. Come and see and give thanks. Thanks be to God for this good news today. Come and see what God can do. Amen and amen.